So we're getting ready to um, to start a, a new series. It's always you always have to kind of plow new ground when you start a new series. But I want to talk about ten women in the scriptures, and you probably say, "Well, Pastor, how did you pick them?" Uh, other than the Lord just speaking, it's it's like I really wanted to focus on women who knew how to pray. And I'm not just preaching to the women. Y'all know that, right? Guys, don't stay home. Um, because whatever these women are doing in their lives, it, it affects us whether we're male or female. It doesn't matter. So we're going to start out with Hannah. Where else, right? You got to start out with Hannah and, uh, and look at her life because Hannah, Hannah very much kind of symbolizes what's been going on in our lives as we come out of COVID and and, and now, you know, we went through this long series of the, we called it the COVID transition series. And I, I think we're finally transitioning out a little bit. We're starting to see what this is going to look like after the COVID. I think we're down to this like seven or eight families haven't come back yet. And they're, they're just, you know, want to get their shots and everything. But they're coming back. We haven't lost anyone to COVID. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? Amen. And, and when I mean lost, I mean lost to the church. I'm not talking about dying. Nobody in this church has died to COVID. I don't think anybody in our church has even gone to the hospital because of COVID. So we praise God for that. Amen. Praise God for that. I know you've had some relatives and friends that have, and we're praying for them. But God has, I, I just, with 200 families, don't you think that's God? I think he, you know, I think he's got his hand on us. So we're looking at, really, we're looking at women who know how to roar. I am woman, hear me roar. Uh, not me, but I'm, I'm not confused. I'm, I got to be careful nowadays. People put interpretations on you. But, but, but I, 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 and it's not just women that are roaring. I, I, I want to pastor a church of lions who know how to roar, amen, Not who, who don't, every time the devil shows up, they're like, Ooh. I, I want you to be like Martin Luther. Y'all heard of Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, the original Martin Luther, right? 1500s. The story goes he woke up one morning, and the devil himself was standing at the foot of his bed. He had a vision. I mean, I mean, well, not a vision. He, he felt like the devil was standing there. And he looked, cleared his eyes, and he said, oh, it's you. And turned around and went to sleep. Amen. <laughs> I ain't worried about no devil. Amen. Glory to God. There, there's no power on hell, in hell, that can, that can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Hannah... I, doesn't just represent what's going on in our lives. I think Hannah represents the next generation. But and this time by next generation, I don't just mean young people. I mean that whole generation of people that are going to come to the Lord. I'm talking about the next harvest that's coming in. And I believe there'll be all ages of people coming in. So let's let's look at the story. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and uh, we'll begin in verse 1. And and I like the story of Samuel because a lot of the people in the scriptures it starts when they begin their ministry, you know. We, we don't know a lot about people's backgrounds and stuff. And some people we do, but most people we don't. But here in this case, the, the story is not so much just about Hannah. Of course, it's about Samuel, the prophet. But 
it talks about Samuel before he was even born. And I think that's where we're, where we're at in God right now. We're in the pregnancy stage. In fact, we, for a lot of us, we're not even pregnant yet. It's like we're waiting for something to happen. But listen, you can wait all day long, but you've got to start getting passionate about what you're expecting God to do. So let's look at the story. And this is from the message, so it sounds a little different. There once was a man who lived in, uh, in that place. He was descended from the old Zufam in the Ephraim Hills. They were from the hill country. His name was Elkanah. He was connected with the Zufs from Ephraim through his father, Jehoram, his grandfather, Elihu, and his great-grandfather, Tohu. But here, here's the thing. He had two wives. The first was Hannah, and the second was Paniah. And Paniah had children. Hannah did not. Every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh, that's where the ark was, to worship and offer a sacrifice to God of the angel armies. But now Eli, the high priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the priest of God there. When Elkanah sacrificed, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his, to his wife, Paniah, and all her children always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rivals taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary, every time she went to church, her rival would rub it in. She would taunt her. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Before we get into Hannah, there's two men in the story. We need to identify them. One is Elkanah, her husband. And Elkanah, I think, for, for, for the purposes this morning, I think Elkanah represents the potential church. Elkanah uh, plays a role in this. There has to be seed, and, and the seed there, it's just not taking root. It's not happening. I believe in all my heart God is planting seed into Journey Life Center. We're just not seeing the fruit of it all yet. But the seed is there, folks. I believe the Holy Spirit is planting. We just got to get ready for the harvest. I believe what God is planning is eventually going to happen. So Elkanah represents the potential of what God is going to There's Eli. What? And Eli represents the dead and dying church. Eli represents the church that is probably on its way out. And they give Eli a description, right? So Eli, Eli is, is, first of all, he's just about blind. So Eli has trouble with vision. This dead church can't see beyond anything. They can't see beyond what's going on right now. In fact, they're very comfortable where they're at. And they don't want to change. And they don't want to move. They don't want anything different. They say, Pastor, just, just keep preaching the way you preach, and just same old songs every week, and, and we, ju we just want everything just, just like it always is. Don't, don't rock the boat. Amen. There's no young people here. We don't care. 
he was also described as being old. Now, I'm not referring to your physical age, right? I'm talking about people that are spiritually too old. They, they, they have, there's no life in them anymore. They, 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 what happens to us physically when we get old, that can happen to you spiritually. You can get spiritual arthritis until you don't move spiritually anymore. I don't care what you do. I remember old, old Brother Richards. He pastored this church in the 60s. And for a long time, he attended you. Some of you all remember old Brother Richards. And he, when he really got old, I mean, really, old, he could hardly move around. And he used to sit in his seat, and he says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. I never forgot that. I'll, I'm going to take that with me when I'm in my wheelchair. Amen. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. There's still something burning in me, amen. I may not be able to get around like those young people, but I can still feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm still praying. I'm still seeking God. I'm still on fire. Don't let your physical age affect your spiritual age. How many know it can be new every morning and better every day? Praise God. So he's old and, 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 and he's almost blind and he's overweight. He's overweight. Every time we see him, he's sitting down. And I'm not talking about physical overweight now. Don't get self-conscious. I'm talking about spiritually being overweight. And I think that's a good description of the church world today because we keep feeding people, but they never give anything out. We're living in a time where people are blessed but not discipled. They're blessed. They've got everything. God's pouring blessings on them, but they're not giving out. They're not realizing their destiny or purpose. They're not helping anybody else out. They're just sitting there saying, bless me if you can pray. They worship like this. Every time we see Eli, it seems like he's in a chair. Amen. When they lost the Ark of the Covenant, they said he was, he was in a chair, and he fell backwards and broke his neck. He, fell, he was overweight and blah, fell over and broke his neck. You know what that means? That means he was stiff-necked. Pastors are resigning every day. You know why? Because, because the church refuses to follow what God is saying to them. Amen. They want their way or the highway. You do it my way, preacher, or get out of here. I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you left. Stiff neck. The Bible talks about having a stiff neck. You can't turn. can't change. can't rearrange. You're just stuck where you're at. It's no wonder the church world can't have revival. You can ask God for revival all you want, but until you're willing to change, revival's not coming, honey. God's not going to move on a stiff-necked church. So you got these two men. You got these two men. And then, and then, and by the way, then Eli has two sons. Because, and let me say this about Eli. Eli is a good person. Come on now. He represents a dying church, but he's a good. Listen, just because the church is dead doesn't mean those people are bad. We got to quit judging people. So Eli's a good man, but he didn't raise his sons right. Because of Eli, the way he is, he allowed the next generation to fall into wickedness. And you know what Hophni and Phinehas did, don't you? Oh, yeah, people would bring the sacrifices and throw it in the pot, and they had these big hooks. And they'd put the hook in there, and they'd say, well, whatever it hooks, that means God wants it for me. And they just kept getting bigger hooks. <laughs> and they'd hook, oh, look, I got the hook. And they were getting rich. 
And they were manipulating God's people. I'm talking about a manipulation that's going on in the body of Christ. And we've got, I don't know if you know it, but there's like a whole generation of preachers who don't really care that much about a lot. But all they care about is just filling the pews and let's get money in the pot. And they're they're either in in it for themselves or they're trying to manipulate people. Hophni and Phinehas are there. And, and to some degree, we've allowed that next generation to come up. But how many know God dealt with Hophni and Phinehas? And God's going to deal with those who aren't in this for the real reason. I want you to understand something about Hannah. She's well off. Elkanah is a wealthy farmer. He has plenty of money. He takes care of her. She has everything. She can take a trip. She can, she can buy anything. She's living the high life. She's fine. She's got everything she wants except you can have everything this world offers except there's one thing that comes only from God, and there's only one way to get it from God. I think we've raised a generation in churches today that are blessed but not discipled. And as long as we keep the blessings coming, they'll keep coming to church. You know, they took a survey of Christians, and they asked them this question, what is the Great Commission? 60% of Christians did not know what the Great Commission was. Never heard of it. How is that possible? So what's the Great Commission? It's the commission that's really great that you're supposed to be on. It's what God, it's what Jesus told us to do. Rich, she's blessed, she has everything she needs except one thing. She wanted a child. So there's two things about her. Number one, she's empty, but she's rich. You know, Eli, I said, was almost blind because he did see that Hannah looked drunk. Here's here's the thing about Hannah. Her eyes are closed, right? The Bible says her eyes are closed. And the Bible says her lips are moving, but there's no words coming out. And the Holy Spirit just kind of laid that on me that what, what, we're, what we're seeing there is we may not yet be able to see what's out there in the church or in your life. And, and there's a lot of questions. And you know what? How many of you got to the place where you just don't even know really what to pray about? Her lips are moving, but no words are coming out. Acting like a drunk person. Acting like she's just out of it, and Eli thinks she's drunk. But when, uh, but Eli looks in her eyes, and and I think Hannah opened her eyes apparently, and he saw the pain in her eyes, and realized this woman isn't drunk. She may be beside herself, but she's not drunk. She's passionate about something. Something has moved her deeply. And church, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know any possible way I can get you there. If I preached on this every Sunday for the rest of the year, I can't get you there. I can't talk you into this. If the Holy Spirit doesn't just grab your heart and start massaging your heart, that's something only God. I realize in my spirit, this has to be, first of all, you have to be willing. And second of all, God has to to drop that in your spirit. 
You've got to get to that point where you don't care what anyone thinks. You don't care what you look like. You don't care how you're acting. You go to work drunk on the spirit. Go to Walmart drunk on the spirit. Everywhere, oh my God, everywhere you go, you're on fire. She's got everything she wants, but there's a pain in her eyes. She has unfulfilled longings. There is something more. I can't define it. I'm not sure what it is, church, but I'm telling you there's something more. And you're looking at a pastor that wants that more that comes only from God. She can't have a child. We put that in today's thinking, and we say, well, you know, oh, I feel sorry for her, you know, because maybe most women want to have children, and and if you can't have any, that, that's a sad thing. But no, no, th- this is deeper. You don't, y- y'all have never heard this preached. I'm going to tell you the real reason that why this hurts. And it goes all the way back to Eve in the garden. It's called theological. It's called the proto-evangelium. And that simply means first gospel. And the first gospel was this. Your seed is going to step on the devil's head. Eve, you messed up, but your seed is going to step on the devil's head. You, I have to throw you out of paradise. But listen, Eve, one of these days, somebody from your seed, from your womb, is going to step on that serpent's head, and it's coming through you. Every Jewish woman, and for that matter, husband, always hoped it would be through one of our kids. And to not have children meant it will never happen through your seed. Even if you have a daughter, the daughter could have a grandson, and that could be the Messiah. Now you see how heavy this is. You see her, she's saying, if I don't have a child, there's no hope that I'll ever have seed come through me. It's over for my family line. This is not some social taboo. This, this is not just feeling bad because, which is bad enough that you can't have children. I know, I know, I know that's bad, but this is, this is a, a, a spiritual reality that my promise will never be realized in my life. I'm cut off from the promise if I never have this child. I, I wonder today how many... How many today are wondering where your promise is? And, you know, maybe I mentioned it this morning. Maybe you're going through that midlife crisis. I know I still am. But you understand what I mean. A midlife crisis is where you kind of get to that point in your life where you realize, I haven't quite accomplished everything, and I haven't quite seen God do everything he said he would do. And I remember the way it was in my 20s and 30s, but now it's not quite. And, and we just go through that the, the head thing, and we go through a lot of things in our life, and we begin to look back, and we begin to wonder, and we're, and we're getting older, and we're wondering if we have any time left. But I, I'm here to tell you that that doesn't matter. God didn't do anything with Moses till he was 80 years old. I'm here to tell you. God can do more with you in one minute than he can do for the, with all 80 of your years. God can do more in one minute than your entire lifetime. You just need to wait on him. He can do it. It doesn't matter how you feel physically. It doesn't matter how you're getting around or not getting around. It doesn't matter how much arthritis you have. I'm here to tell you God can use you today by the glory and power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody praise him. Help me. She pushed away from the table and went to the tabernacle. What does push away from the table mean? She means, I don't care about all this stuff. 
I don't care about, you know, I mean, blessings are great, but that's not what I'm after. I'm not after his hand anymore. I'm after his face. I'm tired of just waiting at his hand, standing there. Gimme, 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 gimme. And God is. God is going to give you. God is going to bless you. I'm not trying to take away the blessings. I'm trying to add something you really need. I surrender all. And God, whatever you have for me, I'm ready for what you have. Listen, number two, Hannah has a rival. What do you do when somebody provokes you. Some of you get jealous. Some people get cynical, bitter. What, 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 what happens when someone tries to get your goat, when someone tries to provoke you? Hannah had a, had a rival. Sometimes a, revi- a, a rival will turn into a revival. Uh, she has a, a rival, but instead of, instead of being uh, jealous or angry or cynical, Hannah prays. She begins to pray. And long story short, God gave her Samuel. And Samuel means the Lord heard. And Hannah says, I named him that because I asked the Lord. This might be a newsflash to some of you, but you're not going to get anything unless you ask. It's time to just ask. I like what the Bible says. It said the Lord remembered Hannah. That, that, that doesn't, that word remembered, that's not like what we think of remember. When we think of remember, we say, well, God forgot her. He's out playing golf, and he goes, oh, I forgot Hannah. I got to quit spending so much time on the course. I keep forgetting people, and, and, God, and, and God's like, oh, Hannah, that's right. No, it's not, it's not that. God remembered her doesn't mean he forgot. It means literally in the Hebrew, he decided to act. He could have acted before, but Hannah wasn't ready. God wants to act on some of your behalfs. I don't know that you're ready. I don't know that everyone would appreciate it. I don't know if you know what to do with this bundle of joy. I I, I just, you know, it's like she had to get to the point where my God, she had to get to the point where she was willing to give it back to God once she got it from God. And until you're willing maybe to give it back to God, maybe you'll not get it in the first place. If you just wanted to consume it on yourself, if, if what you want from God is just another blessing, then maybe that's not why you're getting it. Maybe you're being provoked so that you'll pray. So that you'll ask God, finally, give me the desire, the passion of my heart. What is it you really want from God? Let's start praying for things that will only go to heaven with you. Let's start praying for things that are eternal. I asked, and God gave me what I asked. For Samuel 1, verse 19 and 20, she was reconnected. Up before dawn, they worshiped God, returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife. And God began making, I like this, the necessary arrangements. You know this wasn't an immaculate conception, right? (laughs) So God, God began to make the necessary arrangements. 
in response to what she had asked. That's not, they'd been married for years. The seed was always there. But one day she asked, God, wake up the seed in me. Connect the seed in me. And somehow God made the necessary arrangements. And seed joined with egg. And a prophet was born. God, send us that next generation. Send us the next move of God. And God, everyone that's willing to to let you massage their heart and get that thing moving again, every one of them, God, just, if they ask, answer. If they ask, light a fire. If they ask, ignite passion. If they ask, turn them into a drunk for God. God, change us and rearrange us and make us the people you've called us to be. Would you stand? Stand with me, please. Listen, Hannah at that moment was reconnected to her destiny. Y'all didn't hear me. She was reconnected to her destiny. I just want to connect you to your destiny. People tease me all the time. Don't tell pastor you know what to do. He'll put you to work. I'm not trying to get you to work. Listen, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Right? I shouldn't have said that, my Jesus. It's not about getting some job done. It's about I want to connect you to your destiny. I want you to understand what God's called you to be and do. And, and, and if, I can, if I can be that Elkanah, if we could just, God, resurrect something in them, bring something new and alive. Church, it is time to pray. The word Samuel means heard by God. Heard by God. And she said, I named him that because I asked him of the Lord, and God heard me. I just want God to hear me. Would you just pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name? God, I believe I've, I've poured myself out. There's, just, there's nothing left. I've, I've, I've said what I, what I feel like I needed to say. The rest, the rest is a work of the Spirit. And, oh, God, I pray the fire of, I pray that a hot coal, <laughs> I pray that that angel would take a hot coal off the altar and put it to our lips. Give us the words. Give us the ministry. Give us the time. Give us the zeal. Give us the want to. Give us the desire to be the people of God in these last days. Change us. Make us who you called us to be. In Jesus' name. 
oh, I feel I feel something different than the first service. Listen, there, there's room to spread out. We don't have to. We'll call, we'll call these front rows altars and these these altars. I wonder if I can get 20 or 30 people just to come down and represent everyone and just stand here and say, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. Set me on fire. God, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what I may look like a drunk before it's over, but I'm asking. Is anybody asking this morning? Would you come down? Is anybody asking this morning? And you could do it right there. You could do it right there in your seat. Just raise both hands to heaven and say, God, God, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. Hear me.